Alright, how's everybody doing out there? Uh, this is Melvin Isaac, and I'm a podcast community uh, producer at Brick Arts Medium. And right now, this is Saturday, and this is August the 3rd, and I'm at the podcast studio. I'm ready to introduce a little part of my show, or at least give you an update of exactly what I'll be doing. So, before I start, let me uh, do a little something, something like this. You are listening to Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. You're listening to Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Okay, that's out the way. So, now... Basically, what I'm going to be discussing or talking about is uh, I have a few things that I'm doing now, and I'm focusing in on the veteran uh, administration. We're giving out information to all veterans, um, focus on the ones that was uh, Vietnam era veterans. Uh, that uh, when they came home, this is uh, in the area of 1960s, where the Vietnam era war was going on, and uh, the minute they uh, returned back home, they was treated unfairly. Uh, there was a lot of political action. People was spitting at them. They wasn't welcoming. There was no parade. They was throwing garbage at the soldiers. Uh, and uh, they really didn't accept the soldiers for when they went over there. It's called them baby killers. So what happened, uh, there was no debriefing. Uh, so, you know, uh, it was It was terrible. So let's say 50 years later, uh, you have you still have Vietnam era soldiers that is homeless on the street. And a lot of them went into depression. Uh, some of them commit suicide. Some of them uh, went to prison. They got on drugs. So it was really bad for our soldiers coming back home the way they was treated. So now... Uh, moving forward, uh, there are programs now to help out uh, Vietnam-era veterans that will, uh, they call it the Stand Down Program. That's one of them. And that's not in New York City, but outside of the uh, uh, New York City. But I'm going to be talking about that to try to get some of that to come back over here. And what they do, they have a big program, and it's only for veterans where they uh, treat them uh, locate homes for them, clothes, food, medical attention, uh, basically anything they want. Give them haircuts. So it's just for veterans. Beautiful stand-down program. The ones that they have here in New York that I have been uh, visiting and have a lot of people speak about uh, how to assist veterans. Uh one I had went to is the uh, Veteran Administration on 23rd Street, the Health Harbor. And the other one is Fort Hamilton. 
uh, in Brooklyn. So with both of them, I interviewed, they have programs there to help out veterans. Uh, some of them I met to a meditation program, healthcare, uh, veterans that uh, need uh, psychological issues with doctors, uh, post-traumatic stress, Agent Orange, uh, with uh, if they uh, got their benefits fully with the compensation, they can get dental care. Upgrade their discharge. Uh, there's a whole host of programs that help out veterans and where they can go at. So a lot of people had that was at the administration, they uh, doctors and uh, lawyers had uh, had announced on the air where the veterans get their help out. So that was real good. So that's what I'm doing now is to continue this situation where veterans know where to go to, how they can get their help, and uh, who should they contact. I also had a counselor come down here and was speaking about the veterans that he helps out. Uh, he's from NYU, and he thought Stanley would talk. Okay, uh, I mean, my name is Stanley Scriven. Uh, I'm a Vietnam-era veteran, as is my host. And um, I'm working now at NYU um, med, um, Research and a pre-diabetic program to help veterans who are close to being diabetic and I help them as a health coach. I talk to them about nutrition and diet and and uh, exercise. I give them a great deal of information and I do it at their, le- at their leisure. So program usually lasts about oh, 18 months. I, I have them on that. And I have a number of them. I've got about 80 bets in this. Mm second wave I'm dealing with now and that I communicate with on a weekly, monthly, bi- bi-monthly basis. Um, and I uh, visit with them and uh, talk to them about all their issues, whether it's benefits that they don't understand or they're, not, they're entitled to and unaware of. I talk to them about food well, nutrition, and I talk to them about diet, and I talk to them about exercise, I talk to them about their families, whatever whatever issues they have. I mean, they're coming to the VA hospital, and I'm just a small part of, of, of this research that we're doing. And they come and they spend time with me when they have other appointments. And I um, sometimes I solve some problems. Um, um, and sometimes it's just uh, a way for them to uh, air their grievances, whatever that may be. Uh, give them a chance to calm down and relax before a half hour. Right. Okay, Stanley. This is just a, uh, we're going to just take a quick pause, a little break, and then we'll be right back. Okay, so what I want to, okay, so.
So I'm really proud of that and the things that uh, is going on now. And it seems like doors are opening, you know, wider for veterans. Uh, there is another uh, program that's coming up now, and that's Wednesday. Uh... Greetings. August 7th is National Purple Heart Day. At the VA New York Harbor Healthcare System, we will be welcoming all Purple Heart recipients to sign up for VA healthcare regardless of their income. Purple Heart recipients are eligible for VA healthcare enrollment to receive outpatient care, to receive medical care, and are exempt from any co-pays regardless of their income. The VA has three main campuses where we, be, we will be inviting Purple Heart recipients to come down to the facility, sign up for VA healthcare, and we will get them enrolled, sign up for the VA ID card, and let them know about all the benefits that they qualify for as Purple Heart recipients. The VA facility at 423 East 23rd Street and 1st Avenue, the VA facility at St. Albans Extended Care Center in St. Albans, Queens. The VA facility at 800 Poly Place in Brooklyn, New York will all be welcoming Purple Heart veterans to come sign up for VA healthcare. The VA healthcare system recognizes the service that Purple Heart recipients have given to our country. And we want to give back to them to let them know that we appreciate their sacrifice to our country. Come down to the VA facility, meet with subject care experts in healthcare, mental health care, women's health care, sign up for service-connected disability, and all other benefits you may qualify for. We will make someone available to you and thank you for your service. Once again, August 7th is National Purple Heart Day. Please contact your local VA outreach specialist who can give you more information about National Purple Heart Day. Thank you, and thank you for your service. Uh, and uh, they will be talking about their situation while they was in the military and what they was going through and the help that they uh, uh, need and can receive while they out now. So, yeah, is one of the veterans was telling me about his discharge, and he had a bad discharge, and he didn't know what to do. So I explained to him that there is uh, on Houston Street, and he would have to go down there as a veteran administration, and they can help him update his discharge. We don't know the problem, what it was, but he can get it updated. Once he get it updated and he have a general or honorable condition, then he can have all his benefits. And lastly, it was one that was um, uh, that we heard that was in prison. And um, he was wondering whether his military uh, benefits is still there. And we say, yeah. Your, they, as long as you have an honorable condition, your benefits is still 
there for you. Once you get out, uh, you can apply for whatever it is that you need, and you will get all the benefits that you, and also you can have a veteran counselor come into the prison to discuss all of these situations with you. So it is things that veterans uh, want to hear and must hear about how they can continue helping themselves and how there's a program that is just for veterans, which is this is a podcast program, and it's only for veterans that would give them all the information that they need to help themselves out. So, and then there's a TV program that I've just created that is the same way. So that's one thing out the way. The other thing, what I was talking about, was the art. There is uh, several art programs that I'm involved with, and I'm putting these things together uh, that will help out uh, not only veterans, but other artists as well. Uh, one of them is the Fulton Art Fair, and there's uh, the Dorsey Art Gallery, and uh, another one that the Fulton Art Fair go to, and they have classes, sketch classes on certain days, and that's the Bailey Calf. So these are very important that people should know about. And whenever things are going on, when there's, there's an event or there's an art show, you would know exactly where is it at, what time. And uh, perhaps you are an artist yourself and want to present some of your artwork. And that would be a great thing. I would definitely give you more information on that, just making you aware of these things that's going on at this particular time with artists. listening to Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. You're listening to Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. So lastly, uh, one that I didn't mention about the topic is a, uh, this is political uh, that I'm creating a platform for. These are uh, council members of the, uh, uh, the community. And so uh, they will be coming up and discussing about what they do in the community and how they can help out the community or the neighbors or whatever situation that uh, need to be addressed, and especially when you have these upcoming uh, candidacy for the uh, political parties that's coming up now. So for different districts, especially for the ones that's here, where I'm at in Brownsville, uh, when I have this person come up and discuss about what's going on in that district and what he has proposed already to help out the community. So once I get more information on that and and then uh, 
uh, this would be good for the community of Brownsville, East New York. So I'm really happy that I have this program going on and uh, I can reach out to the public, to the people of what's going on and what I'm doing and then they can reach back because we do have where we have a phone and telephone call where when I'm speaking, I can call you up and you can be on air and discuss or ask questions to me or the politician or whoever I have on the show, a veteran, and that would be great. So it's a platform. It helps out everyone, and it reaches out to the community. So now I want to return this back to the music, and I will give you more information uh, later on. You are listening to Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. I want to share this other information with you because I was at the VA hospital in Brooklyn, 800 Poly Place, and I spoke to two intelligent, educated doctors, psychologists, and they're going to share their information with you, veteran population, of how they can offer their services to you and your family. So I want to present them to you and believe it, you will be just as eager and excited as I am. So here they are. Okay, well, thank you for inviting us here to talk about the work that we do here at the, uh, at the Veterans Hospital in Brooklyn. We're at the New York Harbor Healthcare System at the Brooklyn campus here out in Bay Ridge over by the Verrazano Bridge. Um, and we'll just introduce ourselves. I'm Dr. Valerie Abel. Um, I am the Section Chief of Psychology here at the Brooklyn campus. And as well as that, I'm a geropsychologist and a neuropsychologist. So I have always, in the 15 years I've been here, work in a lot of areas related to our older adult veterans um, in various medical settings um, and across different areas in the hospital. Yeah. And I'm Dr. Jessica Jean Baptiste. I work in our palliative care clinic, oncology, and as well as our home based primary care clinics. Um, I've had the good fortune of also doing most of my psychology training at this very same VA hospital. So we're very excited to represent what goes on here at the at the Brooklyn VA. Um, so we thought we you know we talked about what we wanted to talk about today, and um, I think we want to talk about a couple of areas that we work in, and primarily what we want to highlight and what we think is really unique about the um, VA setting. As, as compared to the private sector outside of the VA is how integrated psychology and mental health services are into all areas of the hospital here. Um, we call it integra integrated care and the VA has really been a forerunner 
um, over a number of years of really thinking about how to bring both those aspects together into all forms of, of medical care here. And it's, it's something that's, that's kind of getting some traction in the private sector now with health care reform over the last number of years, but um, we really do think the VA has been, been the first ones doing it and really doing it really well. So we were going to talk about a couple of different areas. Um, I was going to talk about our geriatric primary care clinic and uh, then Jessica's going to talk about the oncology and palliative care areas. Um, so here in, the, here in the VA we have, uh, so for veterans who come here for their primary care and have a primary care doctor, um, every veteran who comes into our system is assigned a primary care team. A primary care doctor but a primary care team. And what that means is that you're not just coming in and seeing your primary care doctor, but you're, you're, you have a whole team of people across disciplines that are responsible for your care. So on a primary care team, we call it a PACT here, it stands for Patient Aligned Care Team. Um, we have a physician, um, a nurse, um, an LPN, often a social worker, a psychologist, often a pharmacist who's responsible for understanding your medication. Um, am I forgetting anybody else on the primary care team? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. So, so basically, when so I'm talking specifically about uh, my work on the geriatric primary care team. So the geriatric primary care team is a team that is developed with the specialists on that team to meet the specific needs of our older adult veterans. And just as we were getting started, we were talking about Vietnam, our Vietnam veteran cohort, which is a big, um, a, a large proportion of our older veterans. Actually, in the VA, the largest number of our, of our veterans are older adult veterans. I think a lot of times when people think about the VA, they think about young um, young veterans who are coming back from deployments and we certainly do service those veterans here too but I think what's important for people to understand is that our biggest population are older veterans, veterans over the age of 65 and especially over the last few years as the Vietnam veteran cohort has been aging, we're all aging, but ha are in their late 60s and early 70s um, we have an even bigger proportion of veterans with needs that are specific to our veteran population coming in and being being older adults. So anyway, the primary care team, the geriatric primary care team is a team that works specifically with older adult veterans who have more complex issues. So, and that could be complex medical issues. So some of our veterans who have multiple comorbid issues like could be cardiovascular issues, could be more cancer issues, diabetes, um, mental health issues, substance use issues, other psychosocial issues, homelessness, you know, there's a variety of issues that can make the care of some patients more complex. And so we see those patients in this, uh, in this primary care team. And the way we do it is, and we try to sort of make this, this is no, normal part of the way we deliver care, is our patients come in to see the, the doctor for their primary care appointment, 
and they first see a nurse who does various types of screening to screening of mental health issues and other sorts of, you know, checking of vital signs and things like that. They see the doctor and very often they also, we all sit very closely together in the same clinic area and very often they're walked over to see the psychologist mm -hmm. um, for any sorts of reasons that may come up in the primary care visit with the doctor, right? And I know that this is, this is what happens in our oncology team also. Um, so in addition with in geriatric primary care, some of the issues that come up with our older adults have to do with cognitive changes, right? So some veterans may, be, may come and see their primary care doctor and say, you know, I'm a little concerned. I'm becoming, I feel like I'm more forgetful. Right. Or the doctor may say, you know, I'm not really sure why Mr. Z is not but, you know, we keep talking about how to manage his diabetes, but he doesn't seem to be able to manage it. And I'm not sure. Is he having some cognitive problems? Or is he depressed? Maybe he just doesn't really care about doing this. Or are there other psychosocial issues? Is his living situation making it that he can't really do something more complex like manage his diabetes? So the doctor will sort of bring the patient over and say, you know what, I'm seeing Mr. Mr. Z right now, and I'm not sure he's having trouble managing his managing his diabetes, and he said he's kind of down lately, and we do what we call a warm handoff. And I know that, you know, when you talk about the, what, what you do in your care also, you know, we really try to normalize this for the patient, right? We're all part of the same team. We're all here to address your medical, emotional, issues related to how you're living and I find that that just having everybody presented in that way right. makes it very acceptable for veterans don't you find yeah and I think from my understanding with your clinic because these veterans are sometimes presenting with multiple issues in different aspects of your lives so not only do we meet with the patients but all the team members that you mentioned before also have the opportunity to meet on a regular basis to sort of talk about the care That's about right. each veteran that we're seeing to really make sure that everyone is That's on the right that is right. Page. That's right. So we have uh, exactly right. So not only are we do we present ourselves as a team to the patient when they come in, and we all may be seeing the patient for different aspects of their care at that time when the veteran comes in, but we have a, a weekly meeting where we all meet and we review the cases of the patients that came in, and it gives us an opportunity to all provide our input and what are we doing and helps us develop a treatment plan for that patient you know well you know we determined that this patient um, you know seems to be having some memory impairments mm -hmm. so we in psychology schedule them to come back and we're going to do some some cognitive assessment and get a better determination about whether there's something to be concerned about here that maybe this this veteran is developing dementia or right. something like that um, I think, you know, being in this co-located setting, again, meaning that we're all there together, means that not only do we have to wait until the end of the week when we have our team meeting, but we have the opportunity to just get up and stick our head into yeah. the physician's room, you know, room and say, you know what, they they actually now are, you know, saying something about a swollen foot. Like, mm -hmm. did you did you think was there anything going on there or is this something that maybe 
is more anxiety related for the right. patient. So we kind of do a lot of, of uh, kind of um, uh, Curbs curbside consultation, yeah. we call it, you know. Um, so I think it's a very different way of working. I know in my experience getting medical care out in the community, I don't know if I've ever really come across that right. level of that that kind of interdisciplinary integrated care. And I know that I have gotten a lot of feedback from our veterans, our patients, um, who say, you know, it's really great that there. I really know that there's a team working here with me. I know all of you. I know I can come in and I can see if I have an appointment with this person. You really try to accommodate me and see me at the same time. Um, so I think it really, really goes a long way in terms of us providing the best care for the, for these patients, um, as well as ac accommodating them right. in this kind of more complex medical system. And it sounds like there's so many benefits to having your co-located clinic with multiple providers. So even in saving the veteran one extra trip, Right. to the VA, right, right, or the psychologist's ability to elicit the veteran's understanding of their medical care. You know, the veteran can say, I just saw my primary care doctor, here's what they think is going on, and we can sort of help to see, does the patient understand what's happening? How can we help them with next steps? What are additional questions that they may have for right. their provider? Right, 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 absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we also end up trying to think of various ways to, where, where our geriatric primary care clinic meets is in a larger kind of clinic area down in the, in our other part of our building over here. And so a lot of our older adult veterans, you know, come there to see their doctor. And if there is a need for them to follow with mental health, with any sort of mental health care, uh, for you know, a lot of times, uh, veterans and patients of all ages could feel some stigma related yeah. to what I don't need to see a psychologist. You know, there's there's nothing wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. And here, because we make it all part, it's part of the care that we offer, and we do it in that same location. It really allows veterans to feel like they get their care in their kind of their home mm -hmm. area. And we provide a lot of other groups and other types of services there, memory training groups, healthy aging groups, things like that in our in our in our clinic area there because that's where these veterans are used to coming and it feels like a home to them. So um, so do you find that the various psychological services that are offered are highly utilized by the patients coming in? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, so it's really kind of a more creative way of thinking about how to offer these, offer these services. So why don't we switch over to, over to your area that you want to talk about because this integrated care model applies very much as well in the areas that you work in. Yeah, I think a lot of what you're saying um, is very similar to the oncology clinic, so where we are seeing veterans who have been diagnosed with a cancer. Um, and there, just like in the geriatric primary care clinic, we have a large multidisciplinary team. Um, our team now has three oncologists. We have a radiation oncologist, um, a palliative care team, a nurse, psychologist, um, the social worker on our team, and now we've had chaplains also who work closely with psychology. And really the hope 
for having psychology as part of the team is to destigmatize mental health care, right? Help veterans be exposed to what is available to them early on in their process. Um, also, our hope is also to help veterans navigate the system as it can get pretty complicated Absolutely. going through your cancer treatment journey, being first diagnosed, now making uh, you know decisions about your treatment, right. going through your treatment process. Our hope is to really work alongside veterans during this journey. Um, so the way our clinic works is a veteran comes in for the first time. The first day they come in, they go through what's called a triaging process. So the triage process involves the nursing staff doing regular vital checks. And we have the nursing um, individual assess the patient with a templated distress screen. So that way, again, it's part of their routine care. We're asking about psychological distress as they're coming into the system. And that same day, they'll see their oncologist, and before they leave, they meet with one of us on the psychology team. And that's really a meeting to introduce the patient about what services are available to them, maybe even get a snapshot of what they've heard from the doctor, how are they coping, or there are ways that psychology can continue to be helpful. Um, and the hope, again, is to have veterans be aware that if you are going on this process, we are there along with you. And psychology is involved on multiple ends. So if a patient is already receiving chemotherapy treatment, for instance, and are having various issues, anything from transportation, being able to get there, or managing the symptoms that come with chemotherapy, managing the length of treatment, making decisions on should I continue, is it time to stop, when do I talk to my family or my doctors. So we also try to be part of that process and to be with, um, with our veterans during those times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I'm just thinking um, one of the reasons that we started doing this in, the, in our oncology cancer care program was related to some research that you had done a number of years ago that really looked at the um, kind of barriers that um, patients have in terms of accessing mental health services when they are diagnosed with cancer. And what, we, what I remember you seeing was that patients very often, when they're in, the, in a cancer program, they've been diagnosed with cancer, they're not very likely to reach out and say that they need some sort of mental health support. And what you found was that by setting up a psychologist to be available to meet as part of the incoming triage process, when somebody first comes into an oncology setting, to have them meet, a, meet the psychologist, have it be introduced to them as this is part of your medical team, we take your mental health and your distress very, very seriously and want to support you with that, that, that veterans and patients were much, much more likely to and much more accepting of asking for that help further, you know, as their cancer process continued. So, so we felt it was really important. That was a really great way of sort of thinking about how do you, how do you get, how do you, how do you meet the needs and how do you, what can you offer to veterans to allow them to feel like this is something that they deserve, you know, right. and that we can offer to them, right? And, yeah, and the study looked at specifically at 
utilization of mental health services amongst veterans diagnosed with cancer. And we also looked at when is the right time to actually ask veterans about whether or not they would like support in their treatment yeah. journey. And exactly what you said, the study found that it is most useful to ask people at the very beginning right. um, whether or not they start psychological right. services wasn't really as important as them knowing that this is a routine right. part of your medical care, something you deserve and something that is being um, given to you. The other thing that we found was that this is just anecdotally veterans coming to me and saying, I don't know what I would have done if I walked out of this building after receiving this diagnosis and no one said anything to me. Right. You know, one veteran said, I was actually planning on just walking around in the parking lot until I figure it out because there's no one to talk to about this. Right. And so knowing that, you know, these are pretty serious conditions that people are right. facing and just having that conversation and saying, we are here for you, here's what's available, was enough to reduce the distress for a lot of folks. And what we found was that if we do encounter the same veterans later on, so for instance, they're in the hospital for any reason, right. and you know, a doctor asks a psychologist to see them, we can start off the conversation by saying, hi, you know, we've met you before, you know, we're just here to see how we can support you. And so it becomes, again, a routine part of your care, something you can expect to happen. Right, right, right. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of, you know, some, some veterans will tell us, you know, that day that you get um, a diagnosis, right, and you hear the words cancer, you sort of freeze, you kind of, you know, people will say, look, I didn't hear anything after that, right? You know, right. it's a very, very shocking word to hear, right? And people will say, like, I didn't, I kind of went on automatic pilot. They don't really know what to do with themselves. So people, you know, and, and sometimes it can take a while for somebody to be able to kind of come back and sit down and say, okay, these are the decisions I have to make. Right. What sort of help do I need making those decisions? So I think just being able to educate people that this is normal you know this is a normal response right yeah. we know that people can feel really overwhelmed at the beginning it's okay let's think about who you want to bring with you you know who you want to bring with you how can we help you talk and ask questions to your doctor the next time you come you know i i think there's a lot of ways of providing education just at the beginning with veterans that just yeah allows them to feel like you know what, I'm not the first person going through this, right. and there's there's help here, you know, along, along the way. So, um, yeah, so so kind of a, simil a similar way of just normalizing and bringing psychology yeah. onto the team, right? Um, do you want to say anything about palliative care? Sure. Or, yeah. Yeah, so okay. palliative care is also a service um, that is offered to veterans, usually not in the beginning of their diagnosis stage, um, but at some point we might offer that service. And it's really, the hope is that it's in addition to whatever care they are already getting. The palliative care team um, also has a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a physician, myself, the psychologist, um, and a social worker. And the hope of the palliative care team is really to focus mostly on that veteran's quality of life. So what is it that you want in your medical care? How do you see your medical care long term? 
um, and what are some services that we can offer to help support your goals. And the palliative care team, again, works pretty closely with our oncology team. We work closely right. with the geriatric um, primary, um, care. primary care yeah. team and also follow the veteran along in their journey. We often are seeing uh, patients when they are sicker, um, but it's not necessarily, right. it doesn't have to be that way, but we do see patients who are sicker or in the hospital. Um, yeah, and also, right. Right. Well, it's what, what, what I think is really, um, and I talk about this a lot with my friends outside of the VA system, when they're talking about aging parents and the medical system outside of the VA. And, uh, you know, here in the VA, there is such a great emphasis and such um, support for bringing palliative care in at an earlier stage of treatment, really with the idea that, you know, it's not, it's not hospice care, it doesn't mean that somebody is, we're expecting somebody to die in the very near future, but it's shifting the focus around what's important to you, instead of just focusing on the met, these, this is what we can offer you medically, this is how we're aggressively going to treat, you know, going to treat you, it's really helping the patient and the family decide what's important to them. How do you want to go through this process? How can we support you and help communicate with the other with the other medical teams that are involved in a way that again really understands you as a whole person in this right. process, right? Um, and I find you know that I just don't hear about that as much. I'm putting in a little plug for the VA here, but yeah. but I have to say you know being someone who's not a veteran. Um, but, and talks with a lot of people outside of the VA. I do think this is a real strength in the VA system. Um, and yeah, you are absolutely right because even we've actually advocated for the policy for palliative care um, patients who are on a hospice team. If you are a veteran, it does not stop you from still pursuing curative care. Right. So you can continue to receive all the care that you want to have and still be on hospice and still have palliative care services if you are a veteran. Right. So the hope is that we are just providing you with more support. Right. 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 Exactly. So in tying up, I don't know, I, th I think we just, I, you know, I know we work very closely together and I know we just so appreciate working here because of, of, of these kinds of different ways of working that are really supported here in the VA. And I think we both really feel very strongly about and are always so impressed by uh, the resilience and what our veterans, the veterans that we work with, um, bring Bring to yeah. bring here to us. I think we're really a lucky clinicians to be able to work with our with our veteran population, and we both do focus a lot on our older adult <laughs> veteran population. And I, I, I feel like I learn something from them from somebody every day that they have just as much to teach us as we, as we have to offer them. So yeah, even more. Right? I mean, I think it's an absolute honor to work in a system where you have all of these available resources and I can work alongside different professionals to provide care to veterans. And again, being able to work with people at all stages of life really right. has been. Right. It's, yeah, it's very rewarding. A true honor. It's very rewarding. Yeah. So. Thank you to Thank our you. veterans. Thank you.